0: Wild Wisdom is Instinctive Knowledge in Action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Leaky Gut. Your doctor probably doesn't believe it exists, and yet you might even have it right now. Hi, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show. I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, a holistic medical doctor with a root cause approach to health. And today we're going to be talking about leaky gut, everything you need to know about what it is and what it isn't, and how to know if you have it, how your doctor could diagnose you with it, and what is it that we can do to treat it. Now, let's talk about leaky gut. And this is really important because, you know, it's interesting because as a medical doctor myself, when I first heard of leaky gut, I didn't really believe it. You know, it's kind of one of those like, colloquial kind of words where, um, or social media happy words where uh, you hear about it and it it seems kind of weird, right? And what I found is that there actually is research proving that leaky gut exists. And it's just that there's different words for it that are used in the research. The researchers, uh, you know, when they first started researching leaky gut, They didn't use the word leaky gut. (laughs) They use different words, which I'm going to share with you. But let's talk about first, what is, uh, you know, what is the gut and how can it get leaky? What does that mean? And how can that show up for you? So what is important to know is that the lining of the gut, right? So the, the part of the gut through which the food goes through. So you eat your food. Now it's in your mouth. Then it goes down into your esophagus. And then it goes down into your stomach and after your stomach is the small intestine, and the small intestine is where most of your food is absorbed. And then after that, you have the large intestine, and that's where a lot of your water and minerals are absorbed. And so the lining of the gut is very uh, interesting because it has to act a bit like a coffee filter. If you think about it, it has to let Food And and like the nutrients, uh, your food gets broken down and it makes nutrients. um, So protein gets broken down, for example, into amino acids, the building blocks of proteins. And you want the amino acid to be absorbed so that your body can then use those amino acids to make the proteins that your body needs. Um, but you don't want the entire protein to get through, um, not properly broken down. So not properly digested because that can trigger your body to react against the foreign protein that doesn't recognize itself. So that, that process of digestion, breaking down your food and then absorption really depends on, um, how good, like with the integrity and the health of your gut lining. So that coffee filter, you want the coffee water to go through, but you don't want the coffee ground the beans to go through so it's kind of a similar thing okay this a similar concept and um, uh, so adding on to this kind of coffee filter idea, so you have this lining of the gut the cells that make up the lining of the gut are like the filter and on top of the filter um, is mucus so there's this nice thick layer of mucus on top of the lining of the gut And the mucus consists of two layers. The top layer, the one furthest away from the lining of the gut, is the part that contains things like um, the microbiome. So the microbiome, if you've been following along, you'll be aware of this if this is new to you. I'll quickly explain, are the organisms in your gut like bacteria, viruses, uh, fungi, parasites, that live in your gut. And and, um, you you want most of them to be good guys that are supporting your gut health. And they do things like break down the fiber from your food to make healthy uh, nutrients like ketones that your body then absorbs. So your body doesn't break down fiber, the gut microbiome breaks it down for you. So having a healthy gut microbiome is important. And it likes to live kind of on the top surface layer of the mucus. And in fact, if you don't give your um, gut microbiome enough fiber. In your diet it will start to eat the mucus which is not good because the mucus is the first layer of protection of your gut lining okay and the bottom so the top layer of the mucus kind of holds the gut microbiome and the the bottom layer of the mucus the one closest to the cell to the lining of the gut to the cells of your body um, is um, kind of sterile there's not a lot of microbes in there And it has a lot of um, immune system protective agents. So the immune system lives in the lining of the gut and and it kind of uh, secretes, it kind of puts out these um, molecules that go into this mucus layer, this sterile mucus layer, and protect the body from the the microbiome getting in past that layer of the mucus. So that's one of the ways that the body um, coexists with the microbiome, kind of lives with it is by giving it a place where it can live and then saying, "Past this, you cannot go. Like, do not come in past this inner layer of the mucus. So it sets up a lot of defense mechanisms in that inner layer of the mucus. So you want to eat enough fiber to feed your microbiome so it doesn't start to eat up the mucus because as soon as the mucus layer is damaged and we're going to go through other things that damage the mucus layer beyond Um, not enough fiber in your diet, as soon as that mucus layer is damaged, it starts to then damage the lining, uh, that lining of your gut, that coffee filter. But that's the part that's you, that's your human tissue. And if you start to um, damage that human tissue, that's when you get ulcers and little erosions, like little breaks of the skin of inside your body like the, the lining of the gut is like a skin, the internal skin and it would be as if you were like scratching away at the skin it would start to erode, it start to bleed, it would start to and that's when you get things like um, stomach ulcers, you know and that can either be felt. you can feel it like it'd be painful or you could actually not feel it. Um, over half of these little erosions are are, are like get, ulcers are not felt like people don't feel it so it could be happening without you knowing and as we mentioned before the gut lining is what allows the the food that's been properly broken down to be absorbed into the body keeps out the food that has not yet been properly digested and and maybe never will be there are certain parts of plants for example like like cellulose that are not uh, broken down or absorbed it also has the function of keeping toxins out as much as it can so your heavy metals and all those things uh, will hopefully be kept out, right? And it also has the function of um, keeping out um, uh, bacteria and other like bad guys invading guys. okay, So like the uh, if you were to have like food poisoning, um, you would the body would try to protect that um, poison that that bacteria from getting past the gut into the body. So very, very important. And when you start to um, have damage, to the mucus and the, and the gut lining, that's when you start to have what's called leaky gut. And that's when you start to get in a combination of uh, the food before it's been properly digested. So the protein before it's been broken down, for example, and that's when you start to get um, problems with like food allergies and food sensitivities, right? Because the body isn't meant to see this um, not properly digested protein and it reacts against it, the immune system, seized it and goes, this is not part of me. And I'm going to react to it the way that the body can actually absorb protein and not have not react to it is by breaking it down into its very basic building blocks, the amino acids, which which it has in its own body, so it won't react against it. Okay, so this is really important that you um, what what ends up happening is that when you start to get a leaky gut, you can get problems with um, like the not just the health of the gut is affected, but your whole body health gets affected. And in research, what the doctors are calling it are increased intestinal permeability, or postprandial endotoxemia or metabolic endotoxemia. And what that means is that um, so first of all, your your intestine is supposed to be somewhat permeable, right? And so that's what lets the f- some of the food in. It's not like a completely, like don't go past your barrier. Um, but it, what happens with leaky gut is it becomes too permeable, right? Too much is getting in. This concept of postprandial endotoxemia, pro, po, postprandial means after eating. And uh, postprandial endotoxemia, endotoxins, toxins inside the body, is in research, they have actually done things like give people... Um, a food that they were wondering if it causes leaky gut and then they measure the blood before they give the food and they look and see how much toxins are in the blood and then they give the food and then an hour up to two hours later they measure the blood again and they see are there toxins in the blood and the toxins can either be coming from the gut into the body and there's some specific toxins that bacteria make that should stay in the gut but they start to leak into the body with a leaky gut, and those are called uh, one of them is called lipopolysaccharide. And I remember Dr. Gundry calls them LPS little pieces of shit. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting way to remember it. Um, and then um, so they'll test for lipopolysaccharides in the blood, and they'll also test for inflammation. So there's ways to measure inflammation in the body, and the researchers will give the thing that they're wondering if it's triggering a leaky gut measure before, measure after, and they'll measure markers of inflammation in the body. And the research shows that if you eat something or you do something, which we will cover, like what are the things that you're probably doing that are causing a leaky gut, it can lead to inflammation in the body, which I don't know if you're aware of this yet, but inflammation in the body um, that continues and, and occurs daily on a daily basis has been linked and can cause uh, everything from obesity, so waking, especially around the belly, like that midsection waking, uh, hypertension, diabetes, cancer, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, and even things like depression and anxiety. So this is important, really important information. So stay tuned because I'm gonna at the end I'm gonna teach you um, how to avoid leaky gut and how to heal leaky gut using only scientifically based evidence tip like strategies because there's a lot of stuff out there on social media that just really i mean i don't know where they get it from so and i'd be happy if if you you know are watching this and you can put in the comments a study that um adds to this what i'm gonna what i'm gonna say here that that would be very much appreciated because it's changing every time the research in this field is just booming i mean If you go back, you know, 30 years ago, there's almost nothing. But in the last 10 years alone, it's just an explosion of information. So that's part of the reason why there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, So there's two ways to look at leaky gut. Uh, The first way is that you can get uh, a little bit of leakiness with some foods and it doesn't necessarily cause inflammation, you know. So a little bit of leakiness, it kind of comes and it goes and it doesn't cause any issues. And actually, some research shows that when you when we eat, this happens to some extent, we do get a little bit of a leaky gut just with eating, not to say we should stop eating, but that kind of leakiness does not cause inflammation. But what we're worried about is the kind that does. And the second way to look at it is, is it like acute? So, um, you know, I go out and I go to a restaurant and I have a meal with certain foods, which will which I'll be sharing with you that would cause a leaky gut. I eat that food. And then the, the leaky gut like happens and then it goes away. So it's just like a boom one time kind of leaky gut experience, right? Versus what is called a chronic leaky gut where even when you're not eating, your your gut is leaky. So it's not just the food um, and stuff that are, um, it's not just when you're eating food that you're having this, you know, what's not supposed to be coming into the body coming in, but rather um, now it's happening even at rest. Like you're just, you have your leaky gut is leaky. And what ha- the I, the idea behind this is that if you keep doing things that cause a leaky gut acutely, like, you know, it happens and it happens again, it happens again, over time, it can cause damage that then persists and stays there all the time. And then you have constant leaky gut that's always there. That's the acute can lead to the chronic, Right. So what we know in research for sure is that an acute leaky gut with inflammation, so the bad kind of leaky gut has been linked in, has been found to exist in food allergies. So children, for example, with food allergies have been studied and they have three times more, for example, increased intestinal permeability, leaky gut compared to children who do not have a food allergy. Which is super fascinating. You know, does the allergy cause leaky gut or vice versa? The researchers seem to think that the leaky gut is what's contributing to the allergy more than the other way around. So with children, you really want to be paying attention to what I'm talking about here in terms of what are the things that cause leaky gut and how can we heal it? But also in adults, anyone with a food allergy. Now, in um, social media, and people talk a lot about this, they'll say, well, you know, signs of a leaky gut because it causes inflammation, not just in the gut, but in the body, the body gets inflamed, are um, belly bloating, um, having problems with like diarrhea, and then problems with the skin rashes, joint pain, brain fog. And the thing is, I actually could not find any research to support this, not to say that that's not true, but so far, um, there's no like, Um, you know, direct kind of uh, evidence that when you eat a food and you have leaky gut, that's what's causing these uh, findings in the body and these experiences in the body. Okay, again, not to say that it's not true. It's just they they haven't done the research on this yet properly. Uh, Now, what's interesting is with chronic leaky gut, they have researched this, and they have found the presence of chronic leaky gut in these conditions, so eosinophilic esophagitis, fatty liver disease, which which is like the non-alcoholic kind. So, um, you know, you your your doctor does imaging and finds fat in your liver. That seems to be primarily from um, high fructose diets. So, like sugar-added beverages, high fructose corn syrups, and and ultra-processed foods. Um, those sorts of things. There's also liver cirrhosis. So, like. Um, real damage to the liver that seems to be linked to leaky gut, gut, um, Crohn's ulcerative colitis, and celiac disease. They all, everyone who has these conditions, has by definition has a leaky gut. That's very well accepted in research, like not not controversial at all. And surprisingly, what's coming up in research um, very strongly is that people with uh, depression and anxiety have signs of a leaky gut. So that's interesting. Um, you know, we were finding more and more that um, problems with your brain, like inflammation in the brain will change your brain function, which you can experience as um, anxiety, depression, brain fog. So that's, uh, that's the link, right? So um, when you get things leaking into the body can inflame the body, including the brain, and that's how it can manifest in some ways. And also, interestingly, Alzheimer, Parkinson and ALS, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or Lou Gehrig's disease, which my father passed away from. And in retrospect, he was doing a lot of the things that we're gonna be covering um, that were probably contributing to a leaky gut in his case. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that was of personal interest as well when I was going through this data. So then what causes a leaky gut, you might be asking. And if you're joining me live, please put your uh, questions in the comments. Uh, as as they come up because otherwise uh, sometimes there's a delay in when you put in your question and when i see it and sometimes questions get missed and i want to i want you to uh, be able to ask your questions since you're showing up live so thank you for for showing up today all right so we can we can break down the triggers of a leaky gut into uh, three general categories okay food medications and stressors all right so and this is and I'm I'm only going to talk about things that have been specifically studied to actually cause a leaky gut. So this is very interesting. So sugar, they've actually done studies in healthy individuals and given them sugar, tested their blood, like I said, before and after the sugar. So the kind of sugar you would find in a sugar-sweetened beverage, so like a Coca-Cola, for example, or a um, you know, Pepsi or any kind of sugar-sweetened beverage. If you add sugar to your tea or to your coffee that would cause this Um, and they found that the leaky the leaky gut happened and that one was associated with some inflammation so it was the bad kind of leaky gut okay the other one is high saturated fat so what is a saturated fat that's the kind of fat that you find in butter in animal meat in uh, coconut oil Actually, coconut oil has more saturated fat than butter does. It's anything that is solid fat at room temperature. I want you to take this though as, as um, I wanna explain to you, I eat saturated fat. What this is is, is, is are you eating too much of it? So when you look at your liquid oils, your liquid oils are things like um, uh, olive oil, right? Which is liquid at room temperature. Or um, the oil in like fish, you know, like a fish at room temperature is, is more like oily, right? Rather than, than solid. It's held inside the tissues of the fish, but it itself is oily. And we know because when you have fish oil, it's it's liquid in the bottle, right? And um, your body, uh, based on the composition of what the kinds of oils that your body uses, it uses more oil, like flexible oils, so liquid at room temperature than solid oil. So I always tell people based on what I've read that, you know, general rule of thumb is like you should have about 80% of your oils being liquid at room temperature. So your olive oils, sesame seed oils, and the other 20% or less, if you're someone who has a high history of uh, high risk of Alzheimer's disease, you want to maybe even go less than that. That's your butters, your animal fat, your coconut oil. So, yes, these fats. Um, are healthy. We do need these kinds of fats to build things like our hormones. They're used to make our brain. Our brain is 60% fat and it's in moderation. So it's just making sure you don't overdo it. That's the key point. And what they found with the high saturated fat is that while it could cause um, like a leaky gut in the moment, it, it didn't necessarily lead to that chronic leaky gut, which is interesting. So Just keeping it in moderation, but don't be afraid of it altogether. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? I do eat, uh, I eat bacon once a week. I eat, you know, like, um, you know, animal meat. You know, those are things I eat, but in small amounts relative to other things. Um, Food additives. This was one that was very, very fascinating so, food additives are what are added to ultra-processed foods, such as emulsifiers, are a category of food additives, and sp- and they are designed to um, keep your um, sh- your that ultra-processed food um, in good condition for longer on the shelf. So, you know, it's that's what makes it kind of like a Franken food, right? Like Frankenstein, it just lives forever. How does it just not go bad? It's because of these food additives, and particularly emulsifiers. And this study actually showed specifically they they gave emulsifiers uh, found in uh, ultra processed foods and determined and and proved that it causes a leaky gut. So it actually changes that that gut lining function and structure in a negative way. So this is a big one actually. So this study is called acute exposure to commonly ingested emulsifiers. Alters intestinal mucus structure and transport properties. Now, if you're someone who's really into the research and wants to know this, that like wants to pull up this research paper, you'll ha- and you're listening to this on the podcast, for example, you'll want to hop over to YouTube and and uh, watch this because I do put the PubMed ID number in the slides, so you can find it uh, through that. And so, ultra-processed uh, foods can cause leaky gut. I mean, is that surprising? I guess so, and maybe not. (laughs) Now, the other one is that might not be surprising to you, and maybe it will, is medications, particularly anti-inflammatory pain medications, particularly the kind that you can even buy over-the-counter for pain control. So, for example, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or NSAIDs, such as indomethacin and aspirin specifically, have been studied. And this study here gave uh, participants endomethacin 50 milligram three times a day for just five days. And that increased their gut permeability three times. So a three times increase in gut permeability in just five days. I mean, not great. And reflecting back on myself, there was a time when I had really bad period pain and I would take anti-inflammatory medications for about five days, fairly around the clock to deal with that. And I, over time, did develop what I think was a leaky gut, um, and I'll tell you why I think that's what I had. And so, fortunately, uh, you know, working on my whole body health, um, my period pains are, are no longer there, and I do have a previous episode describing common medications that harm gut health and what to do instead. You can you can look that up through that title, and I actually teach how to use turmeric and boswellia for pain control for things like period pain, headaches, lower back pain, that kind of stuff, which would not cause this kind of damage to your gut. Very, very important. Okay. And the other, um, uh, and I have a question here, actually, before I go on to another uh, contributing factor of leaky gut. Um, so Anne is saying, hi, Dr. Mills. I got diagnosed with mild chronic gastritis and had one precancerous polyp removed during coloscopy Is it because of leaky gut? Oh, hi, Anne. And that's a great question. So the answer is that that's a little bit different, actually. Gastritis is um, in the stomach. Leaky gut is usually something that happens in the small bowel or in the large bowel, but usually in the small bowel, which is right after the gut. So that's where you would see um, problems with increased intestinal permeability. Um, And then the polyp um, being in uh, presumably somewhere in the small bowel or the large bowel, that's not actually necessarily linked to a leaky gut. Leaky gut is like that coffee filter that is getting torn. Um, A polyp is like an overgrowth of tissue that um, can be non-cancerous and can be cancerous, and as you say, it could be precancerous. Like it looks like it could develop into cancer over time. Now, interestingly, while it's not because of leaky gut, these uh, conditions that you're describing actually have similar triggers. So everything that I've talked about so far, um, uh, yeah, can actually um, be a trigger or a root cause for mild chronic gastritis and a precancerous polyp and the thing is that you could have a leaky gut because you haven't been tested for that um the colonoscopy um which is when you'd have a little camera and you go in and you take a look and you actually visually see things um that would is not used to diagnose a leaky gut so basically what i'm saying is that you may or may not have a leaky gut it sounds like you have things in your life that are um Causing you to have issues with your gut health and everything I'm talking here today about root causes of leaky gut. I, you know, I invite you and others listeners to reflect on how much of these you have in your life that could be contributing to your gut disorders. Because while I'm focusing on leaky gut here today, leaky gut often doesn't happen on its own, it can happen with gastritis, it can happen with uh, cancer and polyps and diverticulitis and all of these gut disorders, right? So um, please stay tuned because this is extremely relevant for you, right? Okay. I hope I hope that helps. Let me know if you have any follow-up questions. So the other um thing that can cause a leaky gut is actually surprisingly uh, endurance exercise. So kind of over exercising and pregnancy. So, and not to worry, there's actually research showing things you can do to avoid the, the uh, like decrease the risk of leaky gut in over exercise, endurance exercise and pregnancy. Research is coming up pretty strong that chronic cardio, like running for long periods of time, many days of the week or biking for many, you know, for long periods of time, many days of the week, all those sorts of things. Is not, while it may be feel good and be sort of like addictive, I know that's my dad, for example, was an Ironman and he was very much in love with long distance running and cycling and swimming. But research is showing that the too much factor is uh, it causes internal body inflammation. And it seems like one of the ways it can cause inflammation is through triggering a leaky gut, the acute that can then progress to chronic, which is kind of interesting. Um, And then pregnancy, again, there's a study showing a specific diet, a specific way of eating that reduced the problem with leaky gut in people who are pregnant. Um, And I wanted to say actually, one thing that I didn't uh, yet fully cover was there was actually a study that showed that overeating (laughs) caused a leaky gut. So they actually took people... And they overfed them. They kind of caused them to eat more than they normally would. And after eight weeks, they all had leaky gut. So you know that, um, what's that Japanese saying where, you know, eat until you're 80% full. So it's a very common Japanese kind of uh, saying, which is to say, don't overeat. And one way is to tune into the belly. And when you're 80% full, it's a good time to stop. Because there's a delay between when we feel full and and when we actually are full, it's about 20 minutes or so. So of the the stomach stretching out and feeling the fullness. So eating, if you eat until you're full, like you're feeling like, whoa, I'm full, that's too much food in the moment. So that's one way to also avoid um, the overeating contribution to leaky gut. So you know again thinking back to your life, you know, how is your sugar intake? How are you eating too much saturated fat? Are you eating ultra processed foods? Even if the ultra processed food says natural, healthy, organic, or smart, um, you know, I was in the grocery store yesterday, and I was taking little video clips of all of what I call the greenwashed health foods, right, where they put these labels on them, like multi-grain, um, you know, oven baked, and then you look at the ingredient list, that's what you need to look at the ingredient list should really be clean and it should not have food additives or added sugar or, um, you know, vegetable seed oils like sunflower, safflower, canola or soybean oil. Um, You know, all these things can be quite damaging to the system, which I've talked about in detail before, you know, healthy fats and oils to eat and cook with. Um, And you really need to pay attention. What are you doing with that? And are you, and that in addition to overeating and Um, You know, so people like Anne who asked the question, this is something to really reflect on. And then again, the medications you want to look into, looking at your physical stress. And there's also like a physical stress, mental stress component. Interestingly, people who have a brain injury, like a concussion or a more more severe brain injury do have problems with um, increased intestinal permeability, which doesn't help. Um, And that means that you really have to be even more attentive to what I'm going to discuss towards the end, which is. How to uh, avoid, reduce, and heal a leaky gut, which we will cover. Some of you might be saying, "Well, okay, um, how do I know if I have it?" So you know, and probably being like, "Okay, so if the colonoscopy would not tell me that I have a leaky gut, how how do I confirm? Can I can I get my doctor to test for this?" Right? Um, and the thing is that a lot of these tests are available only by researchers, so this is not unusual to start off with, like you know, tests that only researchers have access to and doctors don't, right? Um, There are some clinical tests that uh, naturopathic doctors and functional medicine doctors like myself, I'm trained in functional medicine as well. So I'm a specialist in physical medicine rehabilitation as a Western traditional Western medical doctor um, trained in Canada. And then I additionally did my functional medicine certification and we are taught about some of these tests. So um, for example... Uh, and, and your regular uh, family doctor would not know about these. This is not something we are taught or trained in. And they would not be able to order it for you or interpret it for you. So please do not go to your family doctor and ask to be tested for leaky gut. They won't even know where to begin. It's like going to your accountant and asking them about marketing, right? It's, it's unfair um, to ask people things outside of their area of training and expertise. So I just really want you to understand that piece. So this is a conversation that you're having with a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor, right? Just like you wouldn't talk about your shoulder injury with your pelvic floor physiotherapist, right? It, you just want to know who to ask. Um, and they might do things like uh, some tests that are interesting are the blood test before and after eating, Right. Um, and then there's this test that's called a five-hour urinary lactulose to raminose ratio. And what does that mean? That means that they give you two different kinds of sugars. One is a large sugar, the lactulose, and one is a small sugar, the rhamnose, And another small sugar that can be used is, the, is mannitol. But actually, the research is showing, and if you're a health professional, this is important to you, Research is showing that the mannitol may not be the best second sugar to use. Ramnos has been better studied and has been validated as in it does pick up leaky gut, but it has to be done in a very specific way. If you don't do it this way, it could, you could get what's called a false negative, like the person has a leaky gut, but it doesn't show up on the test. And that would really not be fun. Right. So. Um, If you're interested in that, the PubMed ID for that study is 10093003. So you have to go to PubMed and look it up using that number. And for those of you who are interested, what they do is they give you this drink that has a bit of lactulose sugar and a bit of rhamnose sugar, and you drink it. And then five hours later, they test your urine. So you pee in a cup and they test it. The concept is that lactulose is a big sugar, so it's not supposed to be absorbed into the body. So you're not supposed to really see it in the urine versus rhamnose is a small sugar so it does get absorbed and you do see it in the urine if you if you have leaky gut the concept is that you then are now allowing uh, lactulose to leak through right the lactulose is leaking through the gut and now it and once something gets into the body it either gets pooped out or peed out in this case it gets peed out and then they start seeing lactulose in your pee so that's that test that seems to be um the most like scientifically proven tests that you could do uh with a doctor who is trained in this area another indirect test to know that you have leaky gut and this is how i um got a clue as to mine is you know how you do those food sensitivity tests and um you know they they test your blood and then they see like what are you reacting to and you get this big um sometimes multiple pages of all these foods they've tested for. And then you see like, oh, look at that. I have a, I, I, I reacted to this food and that food and this food and that food. Um, if you get a test like that and you, you, it comes back that you have multiple food sensitivities in many different areas. Um, chances are that you have a leaky gut. Why? Because remember I said that the job of the gut lining is to keep um undigested protein out of your body until it's been properly broken down. Well, if you have a leaky gut, that protein now is getting into the body, not broken down. So your body's starting to react to that protein and bananas have a protein and kiwis have a protein. And you know every plant has its own unique protein. Uh, every meat has its own unique protein, so if you start to develop a lot of reactions to it, it's probably because you're just pro- you're not probably uh, your your gut is leaky and allowing those proteins through, and your immune system is now reacting to it. So that's like an indirect way. It doesn't prove that you have leaky gut. This is not a scientific test for it. A researcher would not use this, but it's like um, it's like an indication. It would get your spidey senses tingling if you know what I mean, right? Um, Okay, so uh, what I want you to also understand is that um, how you feel is not a good test, unfortunately. Right now, there's no um, way to prove like, oh, I'm feeling this way and therefore I must have a leaky gut, right? But there are again, um, indicators, like I said, you know, for me, I definitely had some belly bloating, skin issues are really a big one for me. That's how it pops up in my body um you know some people could be joint pain so listen to your body tune into your body if something doesn't feel right for you um that is important information right and so the thing about that is that how do we treat a, le- a leaky gut right cuz here's the thing if you one way to do this is to say well i'm only going to pay attention to treating it uh, or avoiding it or decreasing it if i have a test proving that i have it okay my personal opinion is um, that that would not be the way I would go. For me, I would actually do everything I can. I would assume that I have a leaky gut if I had those lifestyle factors that I discussed, right? So the ultra processed foods. And I was one of those people who was eating greenwashed ultra processed foods like the snacks and the, you know, ultra processed soy, ground meat, uh, you know, with all like, if you look at a plant based burger, if you look at the ingredient list. OMG, it is so packed full of food additives. It's it's horrible. So unfortunately, while we're going on this very like plant-rich, plant-based direction, the truth is that a lot of those foods, plant-based foods, have a lot of added food additives to add flavor and keep the freshness and keep them on the shelf for a long time even processed bread, like the bread that lasts forever on the shelf and in a plastic bag and doesn't go moldy for a long period of time, bread rolls, crackers, all those things, they have a lot of emulsifiers in them. That's how they stay fresh. So for me now, to me, it looks like making my own sourdough bread or buying fresh sourdough bread that goes moldy within a few days if I don't cut it up and put it in the freezer, right? So what I'm saying is that almost everybody I've worked with has risk factors for leaky gut. And what I do is I I say, let's just pretend you have it and work on your gut health, right? Let's restore your gut health. And we're going to do it with diet and maybe some supplements. So I'm going to teach you the diet for it and the supplements. And here's the thing, the cool thing about restoring your gut health on the assumption that you probably have some a little bit of a leaky gut based on modern day living, just predisposing us to it is that it's, it's not even really a diet, it's a lifestyle. And probably the closest thing to, to explain it to is the Mediterranean diet. So the diet that restores gut health is low in saturated fat, not low in fat, low fat diets are very damaging to the body. That has been proven. They've done research, putting people on very low fat diets and their risk of death from any disease and any cause goes up. Why? Because we need our body to build our brain, to make our hormones, to make our nerves, to make our skin. Um, It is the major component of the membrane of our cells that make up every organ in our body. So very low fat diets are not good. Um, Very, very high, high saturated fat diets might not be good. So it's like finding the middle way, right? Lots of extra virgin olive oil, (laughs) Um, So low saturated fat, low sugar, low to no ultra processed foods. So that's like Mediterranean diet. And then interestingly, again, this research has been done specifically in leaky gut, which is so cool, is adding extra virgin olive oil. Okay, I'm going to talk about that in more depth because they actually did a study on this, adding what's called polyunsaturated fatty acids like omega-3s, again, study done, and fiber is very, it actually reverses and heals a leaky gut. So what is that? That's a whole foods Mediterranean style diet or a a real like um, ancestral um, Asian diet, right? Not the modern version of those diets, but the real version of those diets, the original version. It could be the original Ayurvedic, you know, Indian diet, like those things, right? It's going back before there was ultra processed foods before there was refined sugar, if that makes sense. So here's a study called extra virgin olive oil reduces gut permeability and metabolic endotoxemia in diabetic patients published in 2022. Isn't that fascinating? They actually gave, um, I think it was a chocolate bar (laughs) with or without extra virgin olive oil. So it was a very high quality randomized control study, which is the like the holy grail of research you know everybody's like well was it a randomized control study you know i'll only believe it if it was well it was and they gave the chocolate bar with and without the olive oil and it actually caused the um leaky gut to not happen when you ate that chocolate chocolate bar which is so cool so the other study is um polyunsaturated fatty acids so there's been actually so many studies on this that they did even a systematic review where they take many studies and look at it but it looks like um, you know the kind of fat that you find in fish so it's called omega-3 fatty acids uh, which again are liquid at room temperature and you find them in oily fish so salmon mackerel anchovies sardines and herring smash fish are the best sources of it that also have the lowest mercury content some nuts and seeds, including walnuts, flax seeds, and sunflower seeds, as well as tofu and soybeans, have this kind of fat. So look at that. It's, you know, so far, we're looking at um you know, olive oil, fish, nuts, seeds, um organic tofu and soybeans, by the way, um, soy products are the most heavily sprayed product in North America and starting to be around the world. So you don't want to eat pesticides and cause leaky gut from that, right? So, Definitely, you want to keep that in mind. And remember, I said pregnancy was for a high risk, leaky gut time because of the physical stress, probably some emotional stress. Um, having this kind of diet, the, uh, so uh, high in um, uh, fish, in fiber, vegetables, vitamins, and minerals, these women were had less leaky gut than their um, counterparts that did not eat a diet high in those in that content food, okay? So now we're going to talk about supplements. So let's say let's say you're pretty, like, oh, you know what? I, I probably do have a leaky gut, like I, you know, and how do you know well, you if you have any signs of inflammation in the body? So you know, like for me, it's um the skin rashes, the joint pain, the belly bloating, all of those things, while they haven't been studied to be like if you have these, you have a leaky gut they are signs they have been proven to be signs of inflammation so you do, you when you have belly bloating you've got some inflammation in the gut especially if the infl- if the belly bloating happens right after you eat something so if the belly bloating happens like an hour or 2 hours uh, sorry 2 hours or more after you eat something that's probably not inflammation that's probably gas formation from an unhealthy gut microbiome eating your food and, and making gas out of it. So then you get bloating, like, so it's a delayed bloating, but the bloating that happens like pretty close to after eating within an hour, that's an inflammation kind of bloating and the inflammation in the gut. Um, and skin rashes are related to inflammation, depression and anxiety is related to inflammation. If you have hypertension, you're gaining weight, especially around the midsection. If you have um, diabetes, obesity, um, cancer, those are all signs of inflammation, right? Um, So then you might be saying, you know what, maybe I'll try some supplements. And the nice thing about these supplements I'm going to cover is that they've been specifically proven to help um, reduce leaky gut and they don't harm you. They have very low risk of harm. So then the question is like, well, why not? (laughs) Right. So um, Saccharomyces boulardii, um, it's a friendly yeast probiotic. It's my favorite probiotic. Hands down. I take Saccharomyces um, boulardii. Um, And so in this research study, they gave it once daily for six weeks in people who had irritable bowel syndrome with diarrhea. There's irritable bowel syndrome with constipation and mixed. In this study specifically, they just looked at this population and they measured before and after leaky gut. And they found that the leaky gut improved with Saccharomyces boulardii. Saccharomyces boulardii has been shown um when they study it like in animals and they then can take out the tissue and actually examine the tissue that's another way to test for leaky gut is you actually take a piece of the gut out and you look for leakiness right obviously we're not going to do this in live humans but they can do it in animals and and sacrifice them after the study and examine and what they found was that it it actually improves um the cell lining so it doesn't so it's not leaky anymore it heals up that leakiness like it kind of like Patches back together the coffee filter. Very cool. Um, Other two other supplements that have been studied, uh, and in this case was in people with obesity and the presence of leaky gut. So interestingly, the the people with obesity have leaky gut, and people who don't tend not to. It's like generally speaking, and whether or not the leaky gut causes obesity or vice versa, we don't know. What we do know is that leaky gut can lead to diabetes. That we do know. There's actually a study showing that that the leaky gut happens and then the diabetes happens, right? But they haven't done that study yet in obesity to show it, but people with obesity have a leaky gut. So if you're overweight, particularly around the midsection, because that's where a lot of that inflammatory weight gain happens, then you probably are looking at maybe considering some of these supplements, talking to a health professional, you know, if you want to have further discussions around it. Again, again, not with your family doctor who hasn't been trained in this, that would not be kind to that doctor to expect them to be able to help you with this you want to go to a doctor who's been trained in this functional medicine or naturopathic medicine doctor right Um, and what it was is a prebiotic so it's the food that the microbiome likes to eat and this in this case it was gos galacto oligosaccharides that's a mouthful Um, remember fiber from vegetables is a prebiotic it's a food for the microbiome so Um, if you're, if you're eating like a really great fiber rich and vegetables, you'd have to eat between six to nine cups a day, um, not cooked, that's raw. And then when you cook it, it ends up being one to two cups per meal or like, you know, three to six cups a day, for example. Um, but you do need to eat up vegetables and that tends to mean you have to eat them with every meal, including breakfast. So I eat cooked vegetables with breakfast. It's the best now. I love it. I feel incomplete if I don't start my day with like a nice cooked roasted vegetables or you know maybe like a a fresh salad with my um, toast and if I could eat eggs I would but I can't so I eat my oily fish you know so I'll, I have a I have an uh, an egg sensitivity um, so that's an example right and what they did is they did that one. Or bifidobacterium probiotics. So there's three categories of probiotics. Bifidobacterium is one category. So just look at the back of the bottle and it should have bifidobacterium and different kinds uh, in it. Um, and they gave it for three weeks. And after three weeks, they were already able to see some improvement in the leaky gut. Not 100% improvement, but some improvement, right? And, and notice that they're not changing the diet for these people, right? They're not addressing the root cause. They're simply adding on a supplement. So imagine the power of addressing the root cause and supplementing, right? So, or maybe just addressing the root cause would would have the amazing effects. So just keep that in mind, right? They're just studying one thing at a time in these studies. And in real life, we don't do just one thing at a time. Now, the other supplement was the nutraceutical bovine colostrum, um colostrum is like the part of the milk that is made um right at the beginning of when the uh, when um when we as humans and and cows have babies that very first milk it's it's not even milk it's colostrum it's like a very nutrient rich uh full of anyways tons of really healthy stuff for the baby and they take that colostrum and they put it into a supplement and they give 20 grams of it daily for 14 days before an endurance exercise, right? Like, like a, you know, an Ironman event or like running, heavy running or exercising, cycling, what have you. Um, and if they gave it for 20 grams a day for 14 days before that, that, that those men did not get as much of a leaky gut than if they hadn't taken the cholesterol. Again, this was a randomized controlled trial. And then the next supplement uh, is super, super interesting, and I am going to cover it uh, as soon as I uh, address Dennis's question here, saying, can leaky gut syndrome be caused by a typhoid infection? Yeah, Uh, Interesting, the answer to that is yes, gut infections can lead to a leaky gut. So it is possible um, that people, after any kind of bacterial or viral infection, can actually Um, develop a leaky gut there's some interesting even um, kind of interesting research not conclusive yet but like for example COVID infection can cause um, a transient leaky gut so an acute leaky gut and they're wondering if maybe that long haulers COVID is this persistent problem with gut health afterwards so isn't that interesting great question Dennis so zinc carnosine uh, is so zinc is a mineral that if you don't know much about it, it's it's so crucial for gut health. The gut is lined by these like little fingers along the gut. And what the fingers do is they increase the surface area for absorption. Um, I think if you were to lay out your small bowel, it'd be like the surface area of a tennis court, if I'm not mistaken. That's like, I remember that correctly. Um, And the reason for that is because the gut lining is not smooth. It, It actually has many, many little fingers on it. And then the tip of each finger is a zinc mineral. It's called the zinc finger actually, for that reason. So zinc, if you don't have enough zinc, uh, you can't actually make healthy stomach lining, which is kind of interesting, or or gut lining, I should say. So um, in this study, that's why probably they decided to test zinc out, and they gave zinc carnosine 37.5 milligrams twice daily with a group of healthy people who were also given that anti-inflammatory medication, endomethacin, 50 milligrams three times daily for five days. Remember that when you take that, it increases your leaky gut by about three times. Your intestinal permeability goes up by three times, which is not good. But if you take zinc carnitine, uh, it re- 37.5 milligrams twice daily, it reduced injury to the stomach by 75% and injury to the small bowel by 50%. So that's huge, right? That's very important. So um, that's in the context of preventing damage, like reducing the damage done. And the does taking it on its own heal a leaky gut? We don't know, but zinc is important for gut health. So I would be comfortable um, you know, saying that zinc probably is a good thing to add to a gut restoration protocol. So um, if you have any questions that are popping up, now's the time to put them in the chat. All right. And so the take-home message is, if you have been eating a western typical western diet so it's not you it's not your fault it is the the place we find ourselves in as a result of decades of unfortunate circumstances and hopefully this will change over time but if you've been eating a high sugar high ultra processed food diet high saturated fat if you're overeating over-exercising, not cross-training endurance with like sprinting and, and strength training, right? That, that would help reduce that stress that can cause a leaky gut. Or if you're under-nourishing, if you're not eating enough foods that are high in fiber and contain healthy oils and health, and minerals and vitamins like a whole foods Mediterranean or Asian or Indian style diet, like a traditional ancestral diet, then you probably have a leaky gut. And so it's really about addressing the root cause. You can supplement till the cows come home and it will help, but it won't really help. As soon as you stop the supplements, a leaky gut will come back, right? So you gotta address the root cause first, whole foods diet, add in that olive oil, that fatty fish, add the nuts in, add the vegetables for fiber. You know, so you're really looking at um, adding things into your life, right? So not just removing things, but adding things in. And if you're taking um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or um, anti-inflammatory pain medications, um, please do everything you can to switch over to something like uh, the turmeric and Boswellia. And again, you'll want to go to my um, playlist for uh, gut health on YouTube and look at the common medications that um, can harm your gut microbiome and what to take instead. That video is very helpful. Um, and if you have any signs of chronic disease and inflammation like the midsection weight gain, irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, obesity, any kind of neurological brain condition, anxiety depression, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS, anything like that, then you really should focus on a gut restoration protocol. And it is probable that if you've reached this point that you need to work with a health professional right? You need to connect with a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic doctor. So crucial. And what I'll do is in the show notes on YouTube, I will add in, I will make sure to put in links to a list through Fullscript, which is the platform I work with. Um, It's an um, online supplement platform. I don't own the business. I'm just a clinician who Registers with them and then I can go through the catalog and select my favorite supplements Some supplements contain really harmful additives. Just like food Can contain really harmful additives supplements do too and one big one by the way is silicon dioxide Just stay away from that one There's other ones as well So I go through all the supplements and I choose the ones that I find are going to be least harmful and are also really good price point point. And I'll create a uh, leaky gut restoration protocol plan that will have all of the supplements in there. You can register on Fullscript for free, no commitment. You can use it as a shopping list and take it with you to your local health food store or purchase it on another website if you want. Or you can purchase through Script, in which case you get a 10% discount, free shipping for orders over $150, and I get a small commission. Whatever you choose to do is so good with me. I just want you to have access because people are always asking me after these shows, what do you recommend? What's your favorite zinc or what's your favorite colostrum, that kind of stuff? So I've started doing this as a value added, but it's, it's optional. So please feel free to use it or not use it at your discretion. I hope that this was helpful. Thank you so much to those of you who joined live and asked your questions, Anne and Dennis. I wish you all the best. And I look forward to seeing you next week on my next Wild Wisdom show. Until then, have a great day. And please save, um, share, subscribe. Sharing is caring and more people need to have access to this life-changing information. I'll see you soon. Bye now.
1: everyone I hope you enjoyed this episode just a reminder this podcast is for educational purposes only this podcast is not a substitute for professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional this podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services if you are looking for help in your journey it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner if you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health.